Open uh, your Bibles to that portion of scripture that we read a moment ago. <coughs> if you keep, keep one eye on Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, verse 9 and 10, I suppose. <coughs> so over the last decade or so, the perception of the unemployed has changed quite dramatically in the UK. Because prior to the economic downturn, many people viewed those who weren't in work as a bit lazy or uh, perhaps unmotivated or idle. But of course, in recent times, that has completely changed that view because, the, the, because of the, the, the impact of the economic situation. You know, that, that impact is now much more widely felt and it's realised now that there are hundreds of people, there are thousands of people, there's probably millions of people who are willing to work, who are enthusiastic about work, but who are unfortunately not the ones selected to do so. And we can, as Christians, we can think in a similar way. We can kind of think of ourselves as willing to work. We are willing to be used by God, but we can think of ourselves as just somehow kind of unfortunate not to be selected by God for blessing. But is that really how it is? Is that really the case? Does God work like that? Does God just, is it all just a kind of lucky dip? Is it just a random thing who God selects to use? Or is there more to it than that? Well, as we approach Ezra chapter 7 tonight, we're faced with a guy, we're faced with a man here, Ezra, who is used so powerfully by God. This is a priest, this is a scribe, who God uses to perform the most radical and far-reaching reform in the community of Israel. So tonight, our main theme... Okay, our, our over, overarching question, if you like, is this. Why was Ezra used? Why was Ezra, why was this man, this priest and scribe, why was he used so powerfully by God? Um, but before we get to that, just a, a word or two in the background to the situation of this passage. And uh, the reason that I asked Paul to, to read that last section of chapter 6 was really a bit sneaky. It was just to kind of jog our memories and get us thinking uh, back in terms of the book of Ezra again. And uh, I'm sure you remember now that uh, before Christmas, when we left it, 
We left the situation at a period of uh, jubilance and, 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 and rejoicing. Because, remember, think back, the people of God, they'd finished building the temple, hadn't they? And then in chapter 6, there was this celebration of the dedication of the temple, wasn't there? And there was uh, the celebration, as they remembered, the, the, the celebrated the Passover feast. But times moved on, okay? And there is a chronological jump. A jump between the end of chapter 6 and the beginning of chapter 7. There's a gap of about 57, maybe 58 years between chapter 6 and chapter 7. And I hope you remember a while back that I said that when we read Ezra, we should think of it in terms of a book in two sections. Well, this is us getting into the second part of the book. There's been this chronological gap, and now we hit chapter 7. And this is the second part, because this, from, from now on, from here on in, we're dealing with a second wave of exiles that are returning from Babylon under the leadership, under the stewardship of this man that we're encountering for the first time, this scribe, this teacher, the man Ezra. So that's a, a word or two on the background. Now let's get back to this primary question. Can you remember what it was? Why was Ezra used by God? Why was he used? And to be honest, we're just given the answer in verse 10. Because just look at the, the first word of verse 10. Do you see what it is? I suppose it depends on which translation of the Bible you have in front of you. It might be the word for, or it might be the word because. But it means the same thing. And that takes us to what, what's happened, what comes before it. So if you look at the last bit of verse 9, what does it say? It says that the gracious hand of his God was on Ezra for, and then when we move into verse 10, we're given three reasons why the gracious hand of God was upon Ezra. So that's what we're going to do. That's what we'll look at tonight. The three reasons were given here. Well, why God's hand of blessing was on Ezra. So let's look at the first one. Okay, the first one. And that is that Ezra was used because he studied God's word. I'll say that again. Ezra was used because he studied God's word. <coughs> Now, I'm sure that everyone is familiar with the name Harry S. Truman. We all know who that is. Truman was the 33rd president of the United States of America. He, I was going to say he reigned. He was in post uh, from about 1945, end of the Second World War, through to 1953. And Truman was, amongst many other things, a great letter writer. Okay, he wrote countless letters. And the Truman Library have uh, very recently made available online 
all his personal correspondence between Truman and his wife. Because Truman said to his wife that every day that they were apart, he was in post. That he was going to write her a letter. And see, when you read these letters, and there are hundreds of them, thousands of them, what's, what becomes instantly clear is that it doesn't matter what this guy was doing. It doesn't matter what great world power he was in the company of. He clearly excused himself and went away and he made time for his wife. He made time to write her a letter. Not because he had to. He did that out of love. And that helps us to see an aspect of Ezra's study of God's word here. Because verse 10, if you look at it, it doesn't just say that Ezra studied God's word. It's not dry like that. What does it say? It says that Ezra had devoted himself to study. He devoted himself to study. This wasn't for Ezra some sort of dull obligation that he had to fulfill. This was a primary love of this man's heart. And see, in the Hebrew, it's, it's so lively and dynamic. In the Hebrew, literally, it is, Ezra had set his heart to study. You see, for this man, he studied God's, God's word not out of sort of academic reputation. It's not knowledge just for the sake of knowledge. Now, this is a man who is so in love with his God that he is poring over Scripture. He is a person passionate about God's Word. So he's passionate about God's Word. But we've also, friends, got an insight into the way he went about doing that. We've got an insight here into the manner in which Ezra studied Scripture. Because the scribe here, he didn't, it wasn't just a cursory flicking through scripture. And it wasn't just open the Bible and a lucky dip to see what verse or verses he was going to read. No, that word that's used here in verse 10, the word study, in the Hebrew, it suggests a very, very deliberate and careful seeking through scripture. You see, it it conveys a sort of committed scrutinizing of, of of God's word. So this is a man who is chosen by God, a man who is blessed by God, a man who is used by God because of his devoted and careful studying scripture so let's take that to the next level okay let's take it up a step and let's try and apply it and let's ask ourselves how is our relationship with scripture these days ask yourself that how is your relationship with scripture how are we reading the bible you know when you read your Bible, is it done 
with the same sort of thoroughness that, that Ezra is displaying here? Or is it just that sort of quick lucky dip, you know, that quick verse here, verse there? And do we read unfamiliar and maybe slightly more difficult portions of Scripture? Do we do that? And I was reading a, a blog this week. I think it was the, the Gospel Coalition blog. And they put it in much more challenging terms because they asked the question, they asked the reader, do you treat the Apostle Paul as a liar when he said that all scripture is God-breathed? Now, do you see what they're saying? They're challenging us. They're asking, do we stick to what we know? Do we just read the Gospels? Do we perhaps... Just read the Gospels and maybe some of Paul's letters. Or do we really believe that all Scripture is God-breathed? Are we found poring over the minor prophets? Are we found in Second Chronicles? Do we read Leviticus and Numbers? Do Do we really read all of God's Word? Is that how we study? And this is not about me being judgmental. And this is not about nagging but it is so important that we frequently pause and assess and reflect upon how we read and study God's word because Ezra's used here God uses this man and we're told that part of the reason for that is that he carefully studied God's word and if we follow him You know, if we do what he does here, then we will develop that same love that he had for Scripture. If if we pour ourselves into Scripture, we will develop such such a love for it. We will learn to love the Word of God. If we're praying over it, if we're reading the difficult portions of Scripture, it will become our greatest passion. You know, we'll gravitate towards Scripture. We will want to pick it up and read it. Friend, is, is it a fundamental desire of your heart to be used by your God? Can that be said of you? Is it a fundamental desire of your heart to be used powerfully by him? Well, if it is, just look at this. We're told that the hand of God was on Ezra. Because he was passionately dedicated to the word of God. So I just ask you, next couple of days, this week, think about this. Pick up scripture, read it, study it thoroughly. And you too can develop that love that Ezra had for the living word of God. Now let's move on. I heard from one of my friends this week that after a long time, uh, the guy had passed his driving test. And uh, nothing remarkable about that, you might think. But this guy is a minister in one of the most uh, geographically uh, widespread parts of Scotland. So how this guy has managed up to this point without a driving license 
I have no idea. And uh, he was telling me about it, and I was looking into what's involved in passing your driving test uh, these days. And it's a far cry from what I went through when I passed my test. Nowadays, everyone, of course, has to sit a theory test, which is surely a good idea, a theory test. But can you imagine how foolish my friend would be if he ignored everything that he learned and studied for in his theory test? How foolish he would be if he was to treat the theory test just as an exercise and that if he ignored everything he learned, if he ignored all the signs and the safety rules as soon as he got behind the wheel of a car. It would be dangerous. Frankly, it would be pretty stupid if he was to do that. And that moves us in a second reason that Ezra was used by God. Because, you see, Ezra didn't treat the study of Scripture just as theoretical. He didn't study Scripture just as a a futile exercise. So point two, Ezra was used because he obeyed God's word. It wasn't theoretical. He obeyed God's word. So let's remind ourselves of of verse 9 and 10 again. What does it say? It says, the hand of the Lord was on Ezra. We've seen that. And then it's for, because Ezra had devoted himself to study and observance. Of the Lord. So literally, again, it's Ezra set his heart on the law and to do it. He set his heart on the law and to do it. <clears throat> you see, for Ezra, this wasn't, uh, this wasn't bland and academic. He didn't sit at his desk and study scripture and then draw a line under it. There's more to it than that. He wanted to be transformed and he wanted to be shaped by the the word of God. Literally, he, he wanted to go and do it. He instantly wanted to obey scripture. It's like that uh, incredibly famous verse in the book of James. I think it's James chapter 1 and verse 22 where it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. And that's what Ezra's doing. There's a concern for this scribe to be obedient. There's a concern to put scripture into action on a daily basis. And folks, again, there's that idea of devotion. Again, there's the idea of Ezra having his heart set on this. Because you've got this the word at the beginning of, of, of verse chapter 10, or towards the beginning of, of the verse, the idea of devotion. And that, that word, it, it carries through to each of the verbs in the verse. Ezra is not just devoted to study. He's devoted to study, yeah, but he's also devoted to observing and obeying what he studies too. He's passionate about living 
for God. So again, we've got to try and, and, and unpack that, don't we? We've got to try and apply that to where we are tonight. So how do we do that? How do we apply that? Well, what we must do is ask ourselves how we are reading the Bible. How we are reading the Bible. You know, we, when we pick up our Bibles in the morning or where, whenever it might be, are we just reading the Bible out of habit or are we reading the Bible just to do it, just to tick that box and then we get on with the rest of the day? Or are we reading and are we studying and are we prayerfully considering how that passage that we've read must be transformed into the way we live that day? Are we really considering and praying that Scripture will transform the way we live? Because, friend, when we read the Bible, it should have that transformational effect through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, your daily reading, it should be molding you. And it should be changing you and shaping every area of your life. See, our lives will be altered if we read the Bible... And then we just don't get up from where we're sitting as we read it until we are absolutely sure that we know what God is saying to us through that portion of Scripture. Now, Ezra was used by God because that was what he was like. He took this really seriously. He didn't just study God's Word. He was passionate. He was passionately dedicated to living God's word too. He lived in obedience to it. Now, I'm sure you'll agree with me that if you look hard enough, you'll always find something absolutely ridiculous on the internet. There is a whole manner of nonsense on the internet. And I found some of that nonsense this week um, because I, I find an article and it was written about midlife crisis except it was written about midlife crisis in orangutans so uh, it, it seems to be nonsense believe it or not this study that I read was trying to convince me that chimpanzees and orangutans they go through times of depression, times where they are searching for something meaningful to do with their lives. And I'm far from convinced, but whether it's true or not, it's certainly true of humanity, isn't it? That our lives are marked by, by times where we search for meaningful things to do with our lives. And um, a chap, Daniel Webster, who, you may know the name, he was a 19th century uh, U.S. senator. He offered advice for people who were looking for meaningful things to do with their lives. And it's good advice. This is what he said. He said, if we work on marble, 
is going to perish if we work on brass. Time will efface it. If we rear temples, they will crumble to dust. But if we work on men's immortal minds, if we imbue them with high principles and a just fear of God, we engrave on those tablets something which time cannot efface and which will brighten and brighten to all eternity. So let's consider a third thing this evening, and that is that Ezra was used because he taught God's word. Ezra was used because he taught God's word. Verse 9 to 10, the hand, of, the hand of God was on Ezra for, when we've seen Ezra devoted himself to study, we've seen that, and observance of the law. And then lastly, and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. Now, this job that Ezra had, the job of a scribe, it changed dramatically over the centuries. But at this point of history, this job, the job of a scribe, was about applying and teaching the people of Israel from Scripture. And if you're familiar with your Bibles, I'm sure, and if you're familiar with this point in history, I'm sure that when you think of Ezra teaching Scripture, you think of that, that episode in Nehemiah chapter 8, don't you, where... The people of God build for Ezra this big, huge wooden platform. And Ezra takes out the word of God and he teaches the whole community. He applies and teaches them from scripture. And we see something of Ezra's expertise in this in verse 6 of chapter 7. Because verse 6 says that Ezra was a teacher well-versed in the law of Moses. And that, that's a, that's a great phrase because it means, this idea of being well-versed, it means the idea of being ready. It means, you know, he was prepared with Scripture. It means that he was really quick to apply Scripture and to teach the people. What's been said, really, is that Ezra was proficient at exegeting, and he was proficient at applying scripture to this community of Israel. And the first thing that we've got to note as we try and apply that sort of stuff, the first thing we've got to say is, of course, that not everyone is tasked with the same job in the church. Okay, we know that. We all have a different gifts. Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says, some are called to be apostles, some called to be prophets, some called to be evangelists, some called to be pastors and teachers. But at the same time, we are all, as believers, we are all called to make disciples. Follow me in that? We're all called to make disciples, and that involves a degree of teaching. So this picture that we've got of Ezra, 
this picture of somebody who's ready and prepared with the word of God, it is one that is relevant to each and every one of us. You see, this congregation, LCPC, it should be a congregation that seeks to disciple each other. That should be our goal and desire. That we are involved in discipling each other and that we are absolutely involved in each other's spiritual lives. This congregation should be a place where the older Christians amongst you are seeking to disciple the younger Christians. This congregation should be a place where the Sunday school teachers, they look at the children that they teach, not just as a group of kids, but they look at them as a flock that are to be pastored and taught and cared for. This is a place where where the students and the young people, where we should be all looking to learn and learn together. A place where everyone is willing to be taught and a place where people are willing to all go out and teach others the good news of the gospel. You see, Ezra was used because he was devoted to teaching the word of God. So friends, let's be a congregation that is prepared, that is ready, and that's willing to do just that, to go and to teach and make disciples. And if we do that, what an exciting place, a tremendous place this will be. And then let's just close in a couple of words and ask one simple last question, okay? It's the question, why? Why should you and I, as believers, want to be used by God? Why should we care? Why should we want this gracious hand of the Lord upon us? Why should we want to be used? Well, friends, it's because of what has been done for us. Because, see, as believers... We have been taken by the ultimate priest and scribe. We have been taken by the ultimate teacher, the ultimate reformer. And we have been taken and led hand in hand from the exile of our sin into the promised land. It is because of Jesus Christ and his honour that you and I should want desperately to be used in the service of Almighty God. So let's not just read Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10 and then go home tonight and just forget all about it. Let's not do that. Let's pray that God puts his gracious hand upon us And let's resolve, as we go into this week, this week that's ahead of us, in these coming days, let's resolve to study. Let's resolve to obey God. And let's resolve to teach, to teach this wonderful, this living, 
And ultimately, this transformational word of God. Let's pray.